there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. I certainly hate canceling service for sickness as we did last Sunday. It's kind of really made me mad. I was on Saturday. I was really, I wrestled with that decision for a long, long time and I got, I was really angry internally, just like at the devil, like, you can't do this to us. You can't do that to me. And um, in the end, I was really glad I did because Saturday night was like one of my really most difficult nights. I woke up and felt like, I'm so glad I'm not preaching today. <laughs> so it was uh, uh, probably a good decision trying to keep us all from getting whatever it is most of us all had. Anyway, we had probably five, six, seven families that were affected by, in our small group, that's pretty that's like almost everybody affected in some way. It wasn't everybody down, but we had a lot of uh, a lot of that going around. So, continuing to pray. Angie's still kind of under it. She, I mean, she was actually ahead of me, um, getting better. And she was telling me like, tomorrow you're going to feel a lot better because she was already feeling that. And then I don't know what happened, but she kind of just took a turn and uh, went back into it for a few days. So the last last three or four days, she's really been fighting again and just under it. So we appreciate your prayers continually going going up for her until we break all the way through. But um, excited to be here today. Have a really uh, had a really amazing weekend um, yesterday. Um, how many of you are familiar with the, the, the book or the movie, The Shack? Yeah. Um, way back when it first began to be popular, it was pretty controversial too. Um, there was like half of the church was like mad at him for presenting God as a woman. <laughs> Didn't like that very much. <laughs> but um, I was with that author, uh, Paul Young, uh, he was doing a, with another friend of mine that I met probably four years ago uh, by the name of Brent Locker. He's, he's a pastor from church, a church down in um, the Bay Area. And um, anyway, so they were doing a, a seminar on writing because uh, I felt like, you know, I feel like I've ca- I'm called to write some books. I've had it prophesied to me that I'm to write some books. I have some ideas to write some books, um, but I've got no clue, like, even, like, what does that mean? So they, they did a seminar on how to write books, and it was really amazing. Honestly, there was about this much teaching on how to write a book and, and a lot more teaching um, and just sharing stories that were so much fun to hear. And some of the stories, even for the production of the movie, like when Paul Young sold the rights of his book to the to the to Hollywood for him for them to be able to produce the movie some amazing stories that took place I really don't have time to share those today but oh my gosh just like God did stuff that only God can do and uh, brought life and healing and hope to to people that were just needing it and in some really incredibly supernatural ways so but so many good stories, and I had such a good time hanging out with some friends, so I had a great weekend. Um, but I'm really excited today to be sharing about this. I'm kind of, for the last several weeks, I've been talking about awakening. Um, and 
when we hear that word, especially in the church context, we think of like revival. We think of like the first great awakening and the second great awakening and um, and then the prophesied third great awakening that, you know, we're, we are believing is going to be happening. And, and um, but I've been talking about um, awakening from a, from probably a little bit different vantage point, just from a, from a standpoint of like, not like what does awakening look like when it's in full swing and we see revival and all kinds of miracles and, but what does it look like when it starts with you? <laughs> what does that look like? Right. And, and awakening specifically like, like in the natural, what happens when you wake up? What does it look like? Um, and there were, um, couple encounters that I, I have had that were really kind of uh, that I was really processing as I was sharing these messages that I've been talking about. Uh, one was I, I saw me in a vision. I saw myself shaking somewhat violently, shaking each one of you in the church and um, uh, waking you up. Saying over you, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up to the fullness, uh, wake up to to your identity, to the fullness of who you are, to the fullness of the season. Just different things that I I, I saw myself declaring and prophesying over you and calling out of your lives and and um and I know that with that I felt like the Lord was charging me to really wake us up to fullness. What is it? And I just want to let that phrase hang there for just a second. What does it look like to wake up to fullness? Um, the other vision I'll skip over. It's not super important right now that we touch that, but I, I really feel charged to see, uh, to wake up the church to fullness. Um, uh, I certainly feel it for our church, but I feel even on a broader context that when I'm hanging out with uh, other other regional leaders, which I had the opportunity of doing this weekend as well, um, just hanging out with them and, and just like my role is actually I'm, I'm called to wake them up and not because I have any kind of judgment in my heart, like you guys are really not doing well. So gonna, it's my job, Mr. Spiritual here, to wake you up. Not that at all. In fact, if, if I were to tell you who I feel like the most important person I need to be waking up is right now, it's me. I need to wake myself up to fullness and let the Holy Spirit wake me up to fullness. There is, um, from Zechariah chapter 4, this is still a part of some of what we've already been talking about, but Zechariah 4 is, uh, is um, the prophet Zechariah is having this encounter where he's, He's seeing an angel, and he, this angel, this is back in actually Zechariah chapter 3, and the angel is doing these things, and he's declaring these things, and he's talking about the one who will come and who will, who will bring transformation to everyone, and this one is the one called Branch. Um, and so it's speaking of Jesus, of course, and prophetically, who is, uh, who is um, from the branch of Jesse, which is, you know, speaking of David, and also Jesus, who's the son of David, as we know. So, uh, I mean, this, this is what Zechariah is encountering. He's seeing this happen. And then it says, Zechariah 4, verse 1, that the angel came to him and woke him up like someone awakened from a deep sleep. 
So, I mean, obviously Zechariah is awake in the vision. I mean, he's still in this, he's still having this vision. Um, he's watching the first part of the vision happen. It's unfolding. He's awake. He's watching. He's seeing. But then the angel turns to him and wakes him up. Like, well, how do you wake up when you're already awake? Um, but the reality is with that whole picture is that Zechariah, though he was awake, he also was not fully awake because he couldn't have been wakened up, couldn't have been awakened by this awakening angel. And we're really seeing that um, this angel that, that was in Zechariah, it's really the same angel uh, that is moving in our midst and moving in our lives and moving in our region, waking us up to something. So we think about awakening, awakening as this destination, kind of like I was mentioning, uh, the great, you know, third great awakening, this destination that we hope we get to that someday. We hope we're alive to see the third great awakening, whatever. Um, but let me just tell you this, awakening is a process, especially if you're anything like me, uh, because awakening for me is a process. My family will tell you, my wife especially will tell you that I don't wake up fast at all. I take a long time to wake up. My alarm will go off and I'll turn my alarm off and I'll throw the covers off and I'll usually lay there for like 10 minutes, like just kind of rubbing the sleep out of my eyes, stretching myself out a little bit and like, do I really want to get up? I usually do. I usually don't have a second alarm or any, don't hit the snooze button. I just kind of take a little while to kind of wake up. But waking up, awakening is a process. And I really believe this, that a lot of the things that we think will be happening once awakening starts, and we're, we're looking at the destination, we're thinking when that happens, we're going to be, that's awakening. But I think that that's actually once awakening has already been happening. That's already been done and we're already wide awake and we're experiencing the fullness of revival and breakout of the Holy Spirit and, and, th and things. So I think that waking, awakening is actually happening in, in the beginning. Like when we can't see anything. We can't tell anything has shifted. Uh, if, we, if we were to kind of take stock and like, what was, how did I wake up today? Well, it felt a lot like yesterday. You know, it felt like Nothing really changed. I'm, I'm kind of the same person. I don't, I, you know, I haven't, haven't been seeing, uh, you know, anything massively shift. But the reality is, is there's something on the inside that nobody can see that's waking up to the realities of what God is doing, what he's birthing. That's awakening. We're thinking like down the road when we're like seeing thousands saved and people healed every hour, you know, it's like all these incredible things happening, all of which I believe for and expect to see in our future. But reality is, is awakening starts when it starts right in here and we can't see it. Sometimes we can't even really feel it, but we know it's what's happening. That's awakening. <laughs> Everybody say, I'm experiencing awakening. Yeah. In the awakening process, there, there is an awakening from something and there's an awakening to something. Um, uh, some of you might remember that, that we... Um, 
Well, we were just talking about this, the angel speaking to, and waking up Zechariah, you know, waking him up from like, like he was from a deep sleep. He was from, he was in a deep sleep. He was having a vision, seeing amazing things happen, seeing really good things in the spirit happening, but then he was awakened. So he was awakened from something and it was, it was like it was a deep sleep. But whatever he felt had shifted, like I was, it was like I was in this deep sleep. But the next moment, it was like something else. I was awakened. So the deep sleep is what Zechariah awakened from. Whatever he was feeling afterwards, that more awake state, that fully awake state was, was what he was awakened Two, and then we have some of the prophetic stuff in the scripture, and I'm not going to get so much into that today. I just don't have time to go into that. There's some really great things. If you want to go to Zechariah 3 and 4 and meditate on that, I'm, I promise you, you will get some really great stuff. I'm not going to touch it this morning. I just don't have time. I want to get up to some other things. But how many understand this? God wants you to be fully awake. And it's no, there's no judgment here. This is not, I mean, this is not saying that your current state is evil. This is not saying like, yeah, you're backslidden. That's not what I'm talking about. But how many understand that the state that we're in right now is different than being fully awake? We're waking up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. From glory to glory to glory. So even if like we're we're in the midst of massive revival happening and all kinds of craziness, amazing things for God, we're still waking up because there's always more. <coughs> Excuse me. Fully awake. We want to be fully awake to our calling and our purpose. Think about that for a minute. What are you called to? What's the purpose of God in your life? Is it live, work at Walmart, and die? Or do you have a purpose to bring something into this earth from the kingdom of God, into the realm of, of this earth? Now, I believe that we're all called to something. Um, everybody take a deep breath. If that worked, you're here for a reason. God has something for you. And the reality is, is we want to be fully awake to our season. Now, I understand that seasons can be different. Um, season of life, uh, maybe uh, uh, maybe you've lived a lot longer than I have, and, and your season's different than mine. It's not, I'm not trying to say it needs to look like anything specific. But every single one of us is called to be fully awake in our season like fully awakened to the things that God is doing, fully awakened to his presence. Sometimes he's there and we didn't know it. We'll hit that in a little bit. Uh, um, we want to be fully awake to our identity. Like who is it that we are? And I think that one of the things that we're going to be seeing here in these next, uh, um, this, in, this, in this season as it moves forward, as it progresses, um, we're going to realize that our identity has, a, has very little to do with what we do. 
Well, I prophesy a lot. My identity's, if your identity's wrapped up in being a prophet, then, it, then it's messed up from the beginning. We can't be started from this place of, of, of our identity being wrapped up in what we do. Our identity ought to be, it's like, I, you know, they talk about the fivefold gifts, apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Like, which one am I? Which one are you? You know, we could get stuck there. Uh, and the reality is, is I'd just rather be a son, right? <laughs> like, why would I settle for a less title? Like, uh, you know, apostle, that's like, that, that's a really great title. Pastor, great title. I'd just rather be son because that's like, I have access to, I have access to the full inheritance as a son, so every single one of us can be awakened to our identity at a new level, um, awakened to his love for us. That's a huge thing. We think, we think well, yeah, no, I, know, I know about the love of God. I've, I've experienced the love of God. Oh, my gosh. Even, even yesterday, just listening to Paul Young talk, it's like, I don't think I got the fullness of his love. I want more of that. I'm feeling it now. Just from the, the heart of this man, a father who's, who's experienced great tragedy, great persecution, and great success. And the one thing that he said that, that rocked me is it was really about the fact that he just knows now that he's fully loved. Like, that's the one thing I want. You know, write a book that millions of people have read, you know, have it turned into a movie. You know, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. But honestly, the most, the most important thing about his life is that he feels totally loved by God. Actually, one of the things he said was this. He's like, he wrote, uh, he was totally satisfied with, with what the book accomplished um, when he had made 15 copies of it for his kids at Kinko's because that's how he wrote the book. He didn't even ever intend to publish it. So everything else that happened was kind of a bonus. <laughs> God loves me. It's awesome. Um, so good. But um, the idea is that we've, we've, we've not been fully sleeping. We know who Jesus is. We know that we're called to do something. But we're also not fully awake. So help us to know, Lord, what you're waking us up from, as well as, and more particularly, what you're waking us up to. So some things that you might be being awakened from. Dead religion. Is there area, are there areas of your heart that look like dead religion? What does that mean? Stuff where you, you kind of, you do what you're supposed to do because of the rules. Like a good Christian, they, they do the rules. They, they read their Bible. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I read mine too. You know, you know, we do the rules. We we go to church on Sunday. We we um we we don't we don't engage in some of these aspects of of bad behavior. Maybe we, you know whatever that might be in your mind. You know, so those are the rules. If we're doing what we're doing because of the rules, it's never the right reason, right? That's dead religion. What we ought to be doing is so in love with Jesus that it, we don't want our life to be anything that won't be a conduit for his presence. It won't be able to kind of contain who he is. Maybe we're, we're being awakened from passivity, from complacency, from indifference, from disillusionment. That's a huge one. Discouragement. If we're living from those places, God's waking us up and saying, it's time to move on to a new place. Those things are not who we are. That's not what he wants 
to see in us. And, and what are we being awakened to? Uh, these are just some words that, I, that I'm pulling out that might capture some of what the, the, the focus of the Spirit of the Lord is right now. But waking up to a thriving life, to abundance, to, to being uh, fully alive, to hope. To joy, which is what we're going to talk about today more. Passionate life. When I was a, when I was a young person, um, I still consider myself young, but when I was a young, I was really young, like, like Noah, when I was about his age, actually, um, <laughs> I, I was all in for God. I had, I had an encounter with him, and, and I wanted my life to be about the kingdom. I wanted it to count. I wanted, I wanted what my life meant to actually do something that 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 brought transformation to the world. I wanted to change the world. How many of you ever wanted to change the world? You still want to do it? Yeah, <laughs> we still can. We still are. That's another thing that I was learning yesterday is that most of the time we want to change the world and don't realize that we actually already are. Sometimes we're looking for something that's, that's bigger, but we're not starting with the small and realizing it's already happening there. How can we partner with what God's actually doing already in us to see that expand? It's a whole nother story. I'm not going there today, but it's really good. So if you want to meditate on that, you can take that one home. That's a good one. Passionate life. I wanted to be passionate for God. I wanted to live my life passionately for him. I still do. We need an, incre an increased capacity as people and as leaders to live in this new season. An increased capacity. What you can currently contain is not enough. There needs to be more. And it's not because anyone else is looking at you like, you know, you're just not doing well. You're not carrying enough. You don't have enough. It's, it's, it's got to be birthed from a place of hunger inside that says, Lord, what I want and what I believe you are doing in me is, is going to take more. Not more performance, not more rituals, not more rule following, but more connection with God, more presence, more, more encounter. There's a, there's a need, there needs to be an increased capacity. And we need to develop some ways of increasing our capacity in order to maintain our faith hope, joy, love, through the new things that we're experiencing. Amen? Increase our capacity, Lord. Just say that with me. Increase our capacity, Lord. Say it about yourself. Increase my capacity. I was looking at the, uh, the definitions of the word awake in the... Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Um, it's a little flash from way back with Pastor Dave teaching us about um, uh, this at Webster's 1828 Dictionary, teaching out of there, but it's really good stuff. But anyway, the first definition is this, to rouse from sleep. Um, and then, it, you know, in, in the 1828 Dictionary, it usually has like some, some scripture references that will kind of, give you an illustration of what it's talking about. So it says, to rouse from a sleep. In other words, this is a quote from John 11.11. 11. It says, 
I go that I may awake him out of sleep. It's a scripture that's talking about Jesus. Does anyone know where, where, it's, where, he, where he's going? I go that I may, I'm going to awake him out of sleep. Lazarus, that's right. He's going to awaken Lazarus out of his sleep. Lazarus was dead. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I think you probably do. That's the story. But there's this connection to resurrection, not just being awakened, but being awakened from the dead. And it also reminds me of, the, of another encounter I had earlier this year with God that was really right out of Ezekiel 37, um, where the Holy Spirit showed up in, in my time with him. I was just spending some time worshiping and uh, connecting with him in his presence. And um, the song was the song was playing, and I heard the Holy Spirit ask me, "Can these bones live?" And He wasn't like showing me the valley of dry bones. He was like looking right in here. He was like eyes piercing into my soul and and asking me, "Do you believe that your bones can live?" And and it was not just it was not just that it was it was it was kind of. Uh, Expanding, It started with me, but it was, what can these bones, your life, your family, your church, your region, can these bones live? I shared about that encounter already, but my response was not like Ezekiel's was, which I think was probably the most safe response that he, that he could have had, which was like, uh, Lord, you know the answer. My response was actually a response of, of faith. I, I know, I mean, it was like, God, yes, I know they can. I, I mean, I, I, there are some areas I can't see how, but I know you can do it. I know you can breathe life in here and you can bring, you can bring me to the fully awakened state, the fully alive state. You can cause the bones to come back together. You can cause sinews and flesh to grow where there is none. You can do that, God. You, you're the, there's nothing too difficult for God. That was what rose up in my spirit in that moment. And then he began to tell me, prophesy to the bones. And I think it's still part of that same call that God has put on me right now in this time frame to awaken. Prophesy to this bones. Begin to tell them, wake up, wake up. It's time to come together. It's time to begin to assemble. I could go way off on that right there, but I'm not, I'm Webster's definition number two. To excite from a state resembling sleep. I thought that was really interesting because it, was, it wasn't like really talking about sleep, but talking about that state of like almost, it kind of looks like sleep, but it's not really sleep. Not really asleep, but again, not really fully awake, what we've been talking about. Uh, to excite from a state resembling sleep as from death, stupidity, or inaction. There's areas of our lives that have been inactive where we have not been active. And God is saying it's time to wake up. It's time to be activated, to be put into action. A new life as to awake the dead, to awake the dormant faculties, it says. Third definition, to cease to sleep, to come from a state of natural sleep. And then it references the scripture. It says, Jacob 
awaked out of sleep. This is from Genesis 28, where Jacob woke up and he had this encounter of the ladder, right? Angels ascending and descending, things beginning to happen. There's something going on here. And he wakes up and he says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. <laughs> How many understand that there are things that God is doing that you don't know about? <laughs> oh, that's, that's really good. A lot of us are thinking, yeah, he's doing this thing over there and, you know, in Guatemala and he's doing this thing down, you know, over in China. And he's, I'm not all that aware of that. Now, I'm talking about in your life. There are things that God is doing in your life and you don't know it. It's time to wake up because God's doing something. Surely the Lord is in this place. I didn't know it. To bestir. That's not a word we use very often anymore. To bestir, revive, or arouse from a state of inaction. To be invigorated with new life as the mind awakes from its stupidity. he thought that one was really important he kind of put it in a couple different definitions you can take that for what it's worth um, <laughs> to rouse from spiritual sleep to rise from the dead to awake to righteousness not sleeping but in a state of vigilance or action but one of our problems is this is we look at our life and we think I'm doing all right. I'm not, I'm not that dead. You know, I've got a few things that are living, you know, you know, I'm surviving, but that's not the fullness that God has for us. God wants us to experience fullness. And if we, if we settle for the appearance of being alive, uh, then, then we're going to miss out on what it looks like to be fully alive. Um, John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I mean, every time I read that scripture, I'm like, I want to know what that means. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, there's aspects of my life that I've experienced some of that. But I know, I know that I know that I know that I haven't experienced the fullness of that. Like, there's more that I haven't seen. In fact, I think there's more that I haven't seen than what I have. Wake me up, God, to it. Wake me up to experience the fullness, because this is what you came for. Jesus is saying, this is red letters here, folks. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And here we are 2,000 years later, and some of us are not experiencing that. In fact, I think all of us are not experiencing the fullness and of course, we can like put that back out there like, well, yeah, of course, right? Because we got, always can be growing, always can be reaching for more. I mean, I just want us to get hungry for what it can look like. God has so much more. Wake us up. I, my apologies. Jesus came to ensure that you and I have life to the full, fully alive, fully awakened, awakened to the fullness of life. In the message version... The scripture says this. It says Jesus came to ensure. No, that's that's my notes. A thief is only here. A thief is only there to steal and to kill, 
and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life. Notice it says both. Real and eternal life. Eternal life is pretty real, by the way, but he's differentiating between the now and the hereafter. He's saying, God doesn't just want you to have life in the hereafter, like you'll have fullness of life in heaven. Jesus came that you might have life in the here and now. Real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I think that's really good. We've invited to be fully alive, fully awake, but there exists the possibility that we could be uh, taken out by the enemy, the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He steals our joy, he kills our dreams, and he destroys our hope. That's what he wants to do. So many times I think the enemy um, does that not necessarily by literally taking this out, but he neutralizes us. He makes us ineffective, makes us impotent, ineffective. And, and I want to just focus in on joy for a minute because it's, it's something that I think we, um, Helen was talking about those tools, that those, those weapons of our warfare that we can utilize that, that, can, that can launch us into some new things. Now, I wanna, I'm going to get to talking about joy. So everybody say joy. That way you're not going to forget that's where I'm going. But um, I got a word, a prophetic word from Steve Backlund um, about five or six years ago. We were down in Reading at Bethel Church, and we had just, this is actually our first meeting with, with Steve Backlund. Um, I met with him a few times over the years. Um, but um, this was the very first time that, he, that I met with him. I met with him with, with several of our leaders from here. And um, he gave me a word, and he says to me, um, and he was using my name and how it's spelled, J-O-N, um, and he called me this. He said, you are a joyous, overcoming Nehemiah, a quick builder. And I was like, yes. I liked the, the last part, especially. I'm a quick builder. You know, we're going to build something. It's going to be quick. It's going to be amazing. And I came, uh, you know, we, we went after it and we thought, man, God's going to do some great things. The church is going to explode. We're going to go from being this size to being huge. We're going to infect our whole region. We're going to do all this stuff. And we look at this several years later, five maybe. Here we are. Church is smaller than ever. And you can look around the room as well as I can. And our reaction could be to, to this. We can go like, oops, Steve gave a bad word. <laughs> Appreciate you laughing at that, Dave. It's good for us to laugh at lies. <laughs> Steve gave a bad word. To, to Pastor John, shouldn't have done that. You should have given him something more realistic, like you're a you're you're a builder. Could take a while, <laughs> right? <laughs> Don't expect anything too quickly. 
you're a builder, but it's kind of like one nail at a time. <laughs> right? Or, 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 you, or your response could be something else. Like, you know, Pastor John, he, he must have failed to do something right. You know, something would have happened because God is good. But John really messed something up. <laughs> and i would be right there with you. You're right. I'm sure I did. I, I'm, I probably missed it 10 times since then at least. You know, uh, I want to give you a different perspective on that. Um, because this kind of prophetic word that I got is different than some prophetic words. There are some prophetic words that you get that are, um, they're kind of, they have a shelf life. How many understand what I might mean when I'm saying that? I mean, God will say something like, if you do this in this season, this will happen and something will come to pass. And then if we don't do that, then, then we could miss out on what's supposed to happen. But this kind of word that God gave me is actually an identity word. Identity words do not have a shelf life. They're like Twinkies. <laughs> they don't ever expire. 300 years from now, you can pull that Twinkie box that you bought at the store out of the, out of the cupboard and like it's still going to be just as fresh as it is right now. Some of you will think that's why I don't eat those. That's why I don't. Well, it's not exactly why I don't eat those. There's lots of reasons why. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? The difference is uh, there are words that they are specific to a particular season, something that God is doing in or through us in that time frame. Um, an example of that in the scripture is when um, Elijah. This is from. This is from 1 Kings 17, if you're interested in knowing. 1 Kings 17, Elijah um, declares, uh, As the Lord God of Israel lives, um, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Uh, he was being a pretty bold prophet. And then the word of the Lord comes to him. This is verse 3. Now get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook. Go to the brook has a name here, but I probably can't pronounce it right, so I'm just going to skip it. But it, this brook it flows into the Jordan, and, it's, and it says, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and, ha and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Okay? So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. He's actually receiving the benefit of this prophetic word that God spoke to him. Go to the brook. And then it says, verse 7, And it happened after a while that the, book, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Do you, anyone remember why there was no rain in the land? <laughs> anyone have any idea? Because of Elijah. He said there will be no rain until I say there will be. It's even his own fault. The brook dried up. And Elijah could have stayed right there for months and months prophesying to the brook, spring up, oh well. He could have just continued to stay there and, and commanded this water to come out of the desert. But how many understand that there was a new word? In fact, it's in verse 8. The word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath 
and dwell there. And I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. There's a whole long story, and I'm not going into all of, all of that because there's some really good stuff there. First of all, one of the things that's really powerful is that he sends him to this widow who's going to take care of him. Thank you, God. I get to go somewhere where the widow's going to take care of me. That's so awesome. Except she has nothing. She's going to feed herself and her son and die. Okay, that's why he's a prophet. He gets to kind of bring things to life, right? And that's the season that we're in too, to speak to the things that look dead and say, come awake, come alive. But these kind of words that are like these seasonal, they give us the ability to partner with God to do specific things in a particular time and season. But the word that I got from Steve is an identity word. Now, I'm only, I'm only highlighting this about me, not so that we can talk about me. I don't have that big of a need to talk about me today. But I want you to understand that the Lord does the same thing with you. There are prophetic words that you have, and you can look back at there, and you can go, what? You know, it just doesn't look like that's going to happen. I'm just going to abandon that word. That's like bad word from the prophet. Or even if we want to blame it on ourselves, sometimes we'll look at it and go, I must not have done something right. But what we need to do is look into those prophetic words and see what is it there that God is speaking actually to identity. Who are you? Those things never expire. They never do. Not one time. Never will it expire because we can't change who we are. Identity words never expire ever expire. So when we're talking about this word about being a joyous, overcoming Nehemiah, one of the things I could do with that is I could do a lot of different things with that. And, and I could say, you know what? All of it's bad. <laughs> I don't feel very joyous. And I certainly don't feel like I'm all that overcoming. And I'm definitely not a quick, quick builder because just look at my circumstances. My circumstances, uh, obviously display that I'm not a quick builder. <laughs> or I could look at this word and say, you know what? This is how God sees me. Even when I don't see myself that way. Even when I feel like I am the last thing from being joyous. I'm farther than farther from that than anyone I know sometimes. And that's true at times. But that's actually what God looks at. When he looks at me, that's what he sees. He sees me as someone who's joyful. We sing a song, it's been a while, but we sing a song that says, you haven't seen me. You haven't really seen the true me. These aren't the lyrics. I'm kind of extrapolating a little bit. You haven't seen me till you've seen me filled with joy. I'm telling you for each and every one of you, this is true. That the, the real you is the one that's filled with joy. And we haven't fully seen that yet. Like, you know, the, the scripture says that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And, and um, we... Um, we can take that scripture and say, you know, well, I experience joy and it's a little bit more quiet joy. It's kind of that kind of joy that's down here, rum rumbles around. Um, and, you know, 
It doesn't, doesn't like show up on the outside of me. But I, I have this internal joy. Well, I, I'm okay with that sometimes. But if the joy of God never fills us to the fullness, to the point where it bubbles out, where it becomes visible, then I'm just going to, maybe we aren't full yet. Just, just, a, just a possibility to consider. Maybe something, maybe we're kind of restricting that. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I shared about my encounter out at the Global Legacy Conference. Some of you will remember where I was like, Steve Backlund was there and he was releasing joy. It was all about joy. And um, we were all laughing during his message. He would say these f- funny lies, like all kinds of things. And we'd laugh. And the presence of God was there. And we were just, it was very awesome, very fun, um, laughing. But then we have this fire tunnel. And I have the opportunity to go through it. And I'm having this internal battle. How many remember this story? I'm like battling with myself. Like, am I actually going to let go enough to actually receive something new and fresh and bigger than myself in the area of joy. I mean, well, I, am I going to do it? And internal, I mean, it went like this. It was kind of like I'm thinking I'm like 20 feet away from the start of the fire tunnel. Oh, no, I don't think so. Not today. It's not feeling it. It's not, you know, that, that's just not, that's not me. I hear the Holy Spirit laughing at me, just like, you're so ridiculous. (laughs) I really did. I kind of got to this place. I decided, no, I'm not going to experience that. I'm not going to let go. I mean, I've seen it all. I've seen that before. I've I've experienced the joy like that, you know, uncontrollable laughter, rolling on the floor. I've I've done that. Not necessary tonight. I'll just kind of, I'm going to just withhold myself a little. I know all of you guys have experienced stuff like this. And you're, you're, so I, I'm just I'm telling you, we have the power to decide whether we get the fullness of joy and whether it actually ever manifests in us or not. We get to say this much and no more. But God wants to do something more in us. And in order to do it, we have to let go. And that's what I did. And you all heard the story that I got like totally drunk in the Holy Spirit, laughing uncontrollably, yet once again in the presence of the Lord. The last time I remember doing it quite like that was down in Reading, and I had told the Lord, nope, I'm not doing that tonight. (laughs) And then 10 seconds later, I'm on the floor laughing. And actually that particular time, I, I hadn't made this inner decision to, to let go. It's like God said, oh yeah, you want to see? <laughs> that was a little bit funny. He, he didn't violate my will, but he, he knew what my real will really was, even though my words were something different. Okay, so um, joy. There's more than you know. And if it never shows up like bursting out laughing absolutely out of control, then maybe it's not full yet. A couple of scriptures, John 15, um, I, need to, I need to wrap this up. Uh, read John 15, 1 through 11. Uh, but 11 says this, these things I have spoken to you 
that may, my joy may remain in you and, everybody say and, and that your joy may be full. Sometimes we have joy that remains and it's like way down at our toes, like it's down there. And God says, that's not the whole picture. <laughs> Presence of God means fullness of joy. Oh, fullness of joy. Now, there, how many like have ever experienced like Steve Backlund's ministry where he like, he'll say the lie and then he'll say, now let's just laugh at that. And you kind of do this like little, <laughs> like you try to pretend that it's funny. It's not really funny enough to laugh, but I'm going to try it. And we're doing it kind of as the courtesy laugh. And um, I, I think that that really has a lot of power in it. Um, and here's why. Um, I, I was listening to a video from Steve this week, and, and one of the things he says is some of us, uh, we, we, uh, it's not that we're not joyful, it's just that our laughter is a little rusty. And I think we need to kind of stir it up. Now, that's what I'm talking about here today, actually. I'm talking about awakening joy. Like, do it on purpose. Like, how many, how many recognize the scripture that says that... Um, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many know where that is? It's it's in the book of Nehemiah, in case you're wondering. It's in the book of Nehemiah, and it's at a place in time when the people there are confronted with their sin. They read the book of the law. Ezra, the priest, reads the book of the law to them, and they all like tear their robes, and they cry out saying, we're a mess, God, we've, we've failed. They're weeping. And the priests, Ezra and the priests and, and Nehemiah say, stop it. Don't do that. This day is holy to the Lord. Rejoice. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's where that verse actually exists in the scripture. So um, how many recognize that if we need strength, strength isn't needed when we are in Hawaii on the beach, sipping Mai Tais. Where we, <laughs> that might be a fun place, but that's not where we need strength. That's like, everyone can enjoy that moment. Where we need strength is when we're facing difficulty, when we're facing enemies all around us, when we're facing um, uh, the armies marching on our territory and we're saying, no, no more of that. That's where we need strength. We ought to try like having some joy there. Uh, did, you, did you catch the part in Nehemiah about the fact that he told them, don't be, don't weep. Instead, be intentional about stirring up your joy. I'm just, I'm just telling you this, this morning, stir it up. Like don't, don't pretend that you're happy <laughs> laugh even though you don't want to I'm telling you you won't know strength like you really need it until you laugh in the face of your enemy I've experienced it a few times when I, I hate it because sometimes I'm like so grumpy and my wife comes to me and says you know what I think we need to do we need to laugh I'm like I hate you right now <laughs> Like, no, I don't want to laugh. 
I want to spend a little bit longer throwing a tantrum. I'm just kind of happy believing my lie right now. Is that all right with you? And what I hear the Holy Spirit saying is, no, it's not all right. It's time to grow up. It's time to wake up. Begin to stir up joy intentionally. So here, I want to ask you some questions. I'm going to let you answer them yourselves. I'm going to finish up here. Um, What is Jesus awakening you from? Like, what is the state that you're in right now that he's waking you up from? Like, what things have to fall off? Like, I can't, I can't interact with people like this anymore. I can't indulge this lie anymore. I can't, I can't think that thought anymore. I've got to move away from that. I've got to wake up to this new season of what God's calling me to do. What is he waking you up from? And then what is he waking you up, awakening you to? And I guarantee for each and every one here in this room, he's wakening you to a new level of intentional stewardship of joy in your life. I guarantee it. I mean, you can just read the Bible and you'll find out it's true. He wants us to experience fullness of joy. What's your relationship with Jesus looking like right now? What might be necessary to increase the capacity for you to thrive in this next season? What can you invest your time or your resources in to grow your capacity? What, what commitments might need to shift to allow you to grow and thrive? To grow a greater capacity for joy is really the main thing I'm wanting you to focus in on, but there's a lot of other aspects too, but that's one that just is really highlighted. What, who do you need to become in order to begin operating in the fullness of God's promises and plans for your life? Anyway, I encourage you to, to take those questions. I wish I had them printed up for you so you could like take them home with you and like ponder them and write some answers. Encourage you to do that, even though I didn't give you that little tool. But let's stand up and let's pray real quick. Jesus, we thank you. Ha ha ha. Let's just take a minute and laugh with me. <laughs> Wake up your laugher. <laughs> If it's awkward, that's the that just means it's rusty. <laughs> if you feel like an idiot, then welcome to the crowd. <laughs> God, awaken us to new joy. Awaken us to a new ability to steward joy and to realize that we can experience it even when we don't feel it. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Lord, bring it to the fullness. <laughs> bring it to the full measure, Lord. <laughs> Let it be overflowing, God. <laughs> More than we can contain. More than our circumstances would require. You know, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Like, He just gave me enough to get through my circumstances. No, He wants it to be overflowing. 
<laughs> Come on. Thank you, Jesus. More God. Oh, this is a this is a holy convocation, holy to the Lord. <laughs> Stop being too serious. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna title my message today that 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 um, joy is a serious thing, <laughs> but it just didn't do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just laugh in the face of our adversary right now. <laughs> that enemy that's coming against us and wants to totally take us out. Lord, we just, we laugh. The people's plot a vain thing against the Lord and is anointed and the Lord sits enthroned in heaven and laughs. <laughs> We laugh at the intention of the enemy to destroy us, to take us out, to neutralize us. We just laugh at it. <laughs> like you're going to do anything against the anointing of the Lord rising up in, uh, in your people. Ha, 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 well, we laugh at sickness too a little bit. Ha ha ha. Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you, God. So, Lord, we just invite you to come and show us what the fullness of joy looks like. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Take us past where we've been before. Maybe we allowed you to let it rise up to right about here before. <laughs> Let it come higher, God. <laughs> Let it come higher, Lord. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 